Biden at the UN selling the Ukraine war with VT's Mark Dankoff right here, right now on VT Radio. Let's go with host Johnny Punish. Okay, and we're back on VT Radio with the fantastic Mark Dankoff holding his water somewhere deep inside of Texas, and he's worried about his Redskins. You know, Mark, uh, on the last show we did, uh, my friend Justin from Montana made a comment about you, and he said, that guest, Mark Guy, was spot on on his NFL picks. I said, yeah, and if he's good like that on his foreign policy picks, maybe we got something going on here, you know? But uh, Yeah, so uh, <laughs> if you want to follow me and bet on some good NFL teams and make a little money before my prediction of World War III comes true, <laughs> go yeah. right ahead. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, so what's your what's your big pick Let's for Justin to Montana just for him out there? What's your big pick this week on the NFL? Are you voting for I the rest of the I have no idea. It come a kind of day in German. I... <laughs> I could make something up, of course, but uh, I'd have to look at the list of games and then uh, and and have a particularly outrageous pick and point spread on one of them. So, well, so, I have a good um, one for you. Um, since the Bears don't have any coaching or quarterback, um, I think they're going to lose by seventy points to whoever they're playing. I think they're playing <laughs> Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be a great game. Are, they, are they playing the Chiefs <laughs> in, in Kansas City? I believe. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lovely game. You know? Yes, they have about as much chance of beating Kansas City as I do punching out Mike Tyson in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's wish my I, you know I picked the Bears for the Super Bowl, so I'm not doing so good. But uh, if Justin, yeah. you're listening, listening to me out there, Justin, go sit down, let someone else take over, take the blame, get traded to a real team. Yes, and uh, Justin, uh, the, the, this is a lock now. Kansas City will beat Chicago. <laughs> a real lock. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go against the note, grain. <laughs> on that note, Justin, I hope in Montana you're listening to this. Uh, we did this just for you. So, okay, now we're going to go talk about the Ukraine situation. Very serious stuff, Mark. Uh, yes. Joe Biden was at the UN this past week. Uh, he was talking with uh, Zelensky and Netanyahu. And what the hell is going on at the UN, my friend? What happened? Well, I uh, I watched the uh, video you sent me on this, Johnny, and I must say without equivocation and in all seriousness, this man, meaning Joe Biden, using the word man loosely, is the most dangerous occupant of the White House, I believe, in American history. Now, that's saying quite a lot, given some of the other people who have occupied that office in my lifetime. But nonetheless, uh, listening to this speech and the absolute lies that were told uh, uh, about how this Ukrainian-Russian war started uh, and blaming this on Russia uh, and failing to note all of the very key things that the United States did to facilitate deliberately this surrogate war against Russia using Zelensky. Uh, it, it was just breathtaking that anyone would have the audacity to stand there in Biden's case and to repeat this nonsense. And what I think was particularly significant was the stridency with which the president continues uh, to put his worst foot forward in regard to trying to double down on this atrocious policy, uh, this war that should never have been. And once again, when you start looking at the entire truth of this matter, uh, for the president of the United States to stand there and to say that, uh, well, you know, uh, let's just don't look too closely at the Orange Revolution in Ukraine in 2003, 2004. Let's don't look too 
closely at my cabal's illegal coup d'etat, which overthrew the legitimate government of Ukraine in Kiev in February of 2014. Let's not look too closely at who uh, burned down the Odessa Trade Union building. Uh, we'll conveniently not look at any of the neo-Nazi links of many of these uh, uh, militias that Zelensky has been using uh, in this surrogate war. Uh, let's don't look too closely at the Dugina assassination. Let's don't look too closely at the Nord Stream uh, bombing. Uh, let's don't look too closely at the Tatarsky assassination. Uh, and certainly uh, between 2014 and 2022, let's don't look too closely at the fact that this American-installed uh, regime in Kiev, because that's what it is, is not only an illegitimate government of Kiev, uh, but killed close to 17,000 ethnic Russians uh, in the Donbass before Putin was finally forced to intervene in February of 2022. And then, of course, when you add to that all of these uh, American bioweapons laboratories in Ukraine, uh, the, the very real talk of, uh, in, uh, of installing uh, nuclear weapons in that country, and this brings us, of course, to Ray McGovern's recent comments on this. He, of course, is the longtime uh, ex-CIA uh, director of the National Intelligence Estimates that were put on the desk of the President of the United States uh, every morning in both political parties, a number of American presidents. Ray McGovern is one of the most respected people in the intelligence community historically, and he says that he has no doubt uh, that they are contemplating uh, putting quote-unquote mini-nukes into Ukraine. Now, uh, Ray certainly understands that this is absolute lunacy, uh, but this is where we get back to Joe Biden and, of course, his own criminal involvement, not simply in this coup d'etat in 2014, uh, but the $10 million bucks that uh, he and his crooked son, Hunter Biden, uh, have pocketed through this uh, sordid involvement with this Burisma energy company in Ukraine. Biden's subsequent uh, involvement in interfering with the equivalent of the Ukrainian attorney general's investigation of Burisma. The list just goes on and on. Uh, and for the president of the United States to be making these statements on, with all of this public information, public uh, information available to anyone who cares to look, in regard to his, not only his incompetence, but his criminal involvement in this whole situation, at least, at least since uh, February of 2014, uh, it, it is beyond uh, under my ability to understand how the American public uh, has thus far allowed $115 billion in American uh, taxpayers' money to go to the uh, Zelensky regime. And of course, Biden is now insisting that as of, as of the 1st of October, the United States should fork over another $24 billion, uh, to this guy. Uh, that, of course, would bring us up to what? Uh, about $139, almost $140 billion just since February of uh, 2022. Uh, the, the tide is beginning to turn, it seems, in the Congress, particularly in the House of Representatives, uh, in terms of giving Zelensky any more money uh, Biden continues, of course, to uh, uh, fork over such things as the Attackums uh, uh, system. Uh, there's still talk about the F-16s one way or the other. Uh, but uh, suffice it to say that when you're looking at a American uh, Ziocon regime in Washington that has been party to all of these criminal acts and that has introduced 
both uh, white phosphorus and depleted uranium munitions into Ukraine, creating a long-term catastrophe for the people of that region, uh, as NATO did in 1999 in Serbia. Uh, this, this is truly a criminal effort headed by Joe Biden that is absolutely breathtaking. Now, fascinatingly enough, uh, Biden sounded particularly strident uh, in that video that you sent me, Johnny, of his uh, recent appearance before the United Nations. I think there's another angle on this, and that is that both Biden and Zelensky are in serious, serious political trouble. Uh, as more of these things come out, as more of uh, Zelensky's investment habits and, and embezzlements come out, uh, as we start learning more about the uh, involvement of uh, several organizations working in the Ukraine who are involved in the child sex trafficking industry uh, that have uh, reasonably close links to the Zelensky cabal, uh, we start, uh, you, you know, beginning to see uh, that with organizations like this White Angel Group and this Phoenix Group, uh, these two uh, agencies allegedly involved in this uh, criminal sex trafficking in Ukraine. Uh, the surrogate birth industry is really big in Ukraine. Uh, apparently a frightening number of Ukrainian military people are on drugs. Zelensky himself is an apparent cocaine user. This is the quality of the so-called government uh, that the United States has chosen to bequeath uh, to the Ukrainian people at the same time that they insist that the Russian uh, ethnics in Donbass have no right uh, uh, to uh, reject being ruled by this government. They insist that the Crimeans have no right to go back to Russia, which they did by an overwhelming uh, referendum. Uh, this, this, uh, this is the nature of the loser uh, that we have gotten ourselves into, courtesy of Joe Biden and the neocons in both parties. Now, fascinatingly enough, this is so bad that as Zelensky's uh, counteroffensive is going nowhere, as the Russians have killed some 71,500 Ukrainian troops just since the 4th of June, that would probably bring the total number of Ukrainian fatalities in this conflict up to about half a million. And I think uh, Colonel McGregor would agree with that assessment. Uh, you're, you're talking about the loss uh, just since uh, uh, the 4th of June of almost, not quite, but almost 200 tanks and uh, just an unbelievable number, I think 180,000 armored vehicles. So uh, whether you're looking at the uh, Kupiansk region, where it is the Russians that are actually making progress there, or you look at the uh, inability of the Ukrainians uh, to, uh, to, to retake Bakhmut, uh, the clear failure of their uh, offensive aimed at Donetsk, the clear failure of their offensive in the Zaporozhye region, and uh, the absolutely ludicrous character of these claims uh, that uh, Ukraine will still be successful in this uh, Zaporozhian uh, offensive. They will take it all the way to Melitopol prior to arriving at the Sea of Azov. Again, this gets back to the claim that the Chicago Bears or an odds-on favor to win the Super Bowl, or that I'm going to knock out Mike Tyson in the first round. Now, having said all of this, we start getting into some very recent developments that suggest that Joe Biden, for the first time, is in serious trouble at the hands of his neocon handlers, uh, his neocon base. Uh, why do I say that? 
Well, there was an interesting post by David Ignatius of the Washington Post some days ago. And for anyone who knows who he is, David Ignatius has big time ties to the American deep state. Uh, he's been pro-Biden all along. He is predictably anti-Putin and pro-Zelensky and all the rest of this business. Uh, David Ignatius has now come forward with a piece uh, on the fact that in his judgment, uh, Joe Biden is simply too old uh, to hold the presidency of the United States for another term, uh, given certain issues with this man that even Ignatius can't cover up for anymore. And I think we know what those are in terms of Biden's uh, mental challenges. Then the even more curious National Review, uh, Bill Buckley's old Ziocon magazine, by the way, the whole history of the takeover of National Review and of Buckley by both the CIA and the Israeli Mossad quite a number of years ago. E. Michael Jones of Culture Wars uh, wrote a great piece on this uh, when he was uh, re reviewing a book uh, on uh, neoconservative, uh, neoconservatism uh, that touched upon uh, some of this hijacking of the American right uh, by Zionists and neoconservatives all the way back in the very early 1950s. But a National Review has gone so far in recent years as to, uh, it's become really a rhino publication. Uh, they, Mitch McConnell is very, very favorably, favorably looked upon by National Review. Uh, Mitt Romney, of course. And then we start looking at the fact that National Review uh, did not endorse uh, uh, Trump's first run for the presidency. They said that in 2020, there was absolutely nothing wrong uh, with the election itself in terms of its legitimacy. National Review, I think, sidestepped the whole issue of the New York Post expose on Hunter Biden's laptop. It was provably suppressed by the deep state and uh, 51 deep state uh, uh, operatives of the United States, well-known ones, by the way, public faces, all came forward to tell the American people at the time that this was, quote unquote, Russian disinformation. And even National Review now, in their more recent issue, has talked about the corruption of Joe Biden. Uh, the fact that uh, it's there's no longer any way that one can deny certain facts about Joe Biden uh, and Burisma and no way that anyone is going to be able to get around these incredible uh, now uh, federal indictments against against uh, Hunter Biden. Uh, the, in other words, we, we're dealing with very serious cracks in the canvas. Uh, I think that what's going on here is that the Ziocons uh, want to get no, want to get rid of Biden. Now they want to get rid of Zelensky now and install two more people who will be totally malleable for their purposes. But to get Biden's face out of it and to get Zelensky's face out of it, because the disapproval ratings of both of these guys uh, in their respective countries and internationally uh, is, is, is quite sizable. Uh, so in this particular circumstance, uh, especially with Ray McGovern uh, talking about these lunatics wanting to install mini nukes into Ukraine and with this uh, business of Nagorno-Karabakh causing a renewed flare-up between Armenia and Azerbaijan with very, very clear evidence that the president of, of Armenia has been very cozy with George Soros for a very long time and with the EU uh, and with the... Um, with the Biden administration, uh, as things develop, 
this is another area where, of course, the neocons are trying to light a fire uh, under Putin and under Iran anywhere they can. Uh, this is, I think, what is behind these very strange machinations of the uh, Armenian prime minister in recent years, and these photos of him with, with Soros. But all of this is coming down once again at the same time that we're seeing renewed conflict uh, between these uh, uh, Sunni Wahhabic extremists uh, in Syria and the Assad regime uh, and renewed uh, fencing in the aerial world between the Russians and the United States. Uh, all of these other irresponsible actions on the part of the American national security establishment underscore the, underscore the fact that when it comes to Ukraine, uh, the United States and the, the policies of the United States are being handed to them. Uh, and in this particular instance, uh, the Biden, the Biden knows that his political survivability, uh, has depended on the success of this counteroffensive. It's going exactly the wrong way, both for he, uh, and for Zelensky. Uh, and so at this particular juncture, the people really behind these horrible policies, whether you're talking about George Soros, you're talking about Victoria Newland uh, and her cabal, uh, that uh, one can suspect that this is uh, that it somehow some way uh, Biden is going to be uh, encouraged in whatever way you want to uh, take that. Uh, to get out and to not be their nominee in 2024. And who knows, I've been uh, expecting a military coup against Zelensky for quite some period of time. Uh, now, of course, uh, quite some period of time ago, uh, you know, Patrick Slattery and I had it figured, what, six, seven months ago, that Zelensky might last two months before the coup. This is kind of like your pick of the Chicago Bears to win the Super Bowl, Johnny. It's just uh, I've been proven wrong in that. It's taken a longer period of time. But uh, certainly Zelensky, the disfavor uh, that he has uh, earned worldwide for his arrogance and his impudence with governments that have been helping him up to this point, uh, that he is, uh, his most uh, latest uh, activities have, have involved insulting Poland and insulting the president of Poland for trying to preserve the, uh, the Polish farmer uh, and, to, uh, and to preserve uh, a, uh, a boycott on Ukrainian grain in a number of places in Europe. There are three or four other governments, along with the Polish government, that are involved with that, including the Hungarian government. Uh, at this juncture, uh, Poland is saying, hey, we're not going to sell Zelensky any more weapons. And we're going to any weapons we get, we're keeping for ourselves. We won't do anything to interrupt transit of other other Western countries' weapons to Zelensky. But it would appear that for all intents and purposes, they're understandably finished with this guy. Uh, this is uh, in the very uh, nature of, of what the Biden people have to overcome in selling the idea uh, that, well, we, uh, we've already uh, uh, given uh, Zelensky $115 and, uh, in, uh, in aid, uh, most of it military aid. We want to add another $23 billion by the 1st of October. That don't, I don't think is going to sell in the house, especially. Oh, wait, wait, the, but, add, another, add another billion for his French villa that he's going to have in uh, Marseille. Yeah, and uh, he uh, <laughs> invested in a had a big time real estate investment in in Egypt to set his mother in law up there. Apparently, 
And Zelensky's got his real estate holdings in Tel Aviv and Miami. And uh, I've read credible reports in the international press that Zelensky and some of his pals are thought to have embezzled at least $400 million of, uh, of Western aid and American aid coming into that country. Who knows what the actual figure is, but the long and the short of it, Congress is finally stepping out of this guy, Josh Howley, this, uh, Hawley, this uh, Republican senator from Missouri, has just said, hey, uh, we've got to have some accountability here, especially with the way this thing is going. And you can very definitely see that this thing is tar- starting to turn south. And the one thing I would urge people uh, uh, to consider is not only getting rid of Biden politically, uh, getting rid of any Republican or Democrat that voted a dime of money uh, for this monstrous affair that clearly had nothing to do with American national security, that involved clear criminality in the part of, on the part of the American government, at least from February of 2014 onward, and that has cost the American people billions and billions of dollars uh, in, in an age when their infrastructure is in need of repair and restoration. We have needs in this country, too, in regard to people who are hungry. We need uh, some uh, renewed uh, emphasis on rebuilding our educational system and so forth and so on. To that extent, uh, Robert Kennedy... Uh, has has been the one talking about this. And although I don't agree in total with what he has said about the Ukrainian conflict, he's closer to the truth uh, than, than anyone else. Uh, I, I think the one thing that would help Kennedy would be to talk to Ray McGovern, who, like me, understands that Putin had to do what he did under the circumstances. It was a national security situation for Russia, uh, and understandably so. And that uh, with that one single and significant exception, otherwise, Kennedy has been saying a lot of good things about the need for the United States to get out of this thing. Question for you. Is it similar to what happened in Pearl Harbor where the Japanese had to attack to protect their oil interests because the Americans were blockading their oil? Uh, Absolutely. Their island island had no oil. They were going to die. They had to do something. And they attacked Pearl Harbor as if we didn't know that. I mean, of course, the American public didn't know it at the time. You know, is that what's happening? That's exactly what's happening. And in this particular case, that is what is so, of course, in the Pearl Harbor era, uh, at least as duplicitous as Roosevelt was, uh, he wasn't uh, because we were at that juncture in a pre-atomic, pre-nuclear era. There was no danger of getting his own country nuked uh, in what he was doing. Uh, That's one significant difference. The other thing is that uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, among other things, understood that the United States at that time, economically and in terms of a manufacturing economy, uh, was uh, was the premier economic power on earth. None of that is true today, of course. But as far as the duplicity and the criminality and basically uh, forcing the Japanese to attack us at Pearl Harbor, one need go no further than uh, uh, Robert Stinnett's book, Day of Deceit, uh, which, uh, among other things, has, I believe, in it the uh, obtained by Stinnett by Freedom of Information Act lawsuit, the uh, McCollum Memorandum that uh, Roosevelt requested of the head of his Office of Naval Intelligence, Arthur McCollum, who spoke and read Japanese fluently, there was prepared a 12 or 14 point memorandum to actually get the war started. And uh, uh, arranging for the fleet to be moved to Pearl Harbor was, of course, a part of that. Uh, Charles Lindbergh was the, was the person who really dogged Roosevelt, who knew what was going on. 
it was 60 years before 9-11 uh, and just uh, less than three months before Pearl Harbor uh, was telling the American public and the, and the people of Des Moines, Iowa, that uh, this guy is preparing us for war. It's a war that we don't belong in, uh, and we're being dragged into this. And, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, and, and, and Lindbergh was quite clear about who the constituencies were uh, uh, who were uh, agitating for American involvement in the war. And, of course, uh, he uh, was dealing with that issue for the rest of his life with one of the constituencies that he named, which was clearly a major, major agitator uh, in this whole process to get the United States in the war in Europe using the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor as the backdoor means of doing it. But uh, so much of it is similar, which, again, is frightening because it begs the question, as desperate, as desperate, as the Biden administration is in this business of Ukraine, as desperate as the Zionist neoconservatives in both of the major political parties are over the catastrophe that has come out of a uh, this Ukrainian policy since February of 2014, uh, as we look at the fact that the incredible manufacturing capabilities of the Russians not the Americans, the Russians, is greatly outstripping the ability of NATO and the United States uh, to keep Zelensky supplied, uh, even with the most basic ammunition uh, for his artillery. Uh, this is resulting in a situation, again, where uh, the only reason this madness is continuing uh, is because Biden in particular uh, and, and the lunatics of some of these Western governments uh, in, in conjunction with these NATO advisors, uh, apparently want that counteroffensive to continue down to the last dead Ukrainian. Uh, and with the absolute infidelity of the United States and the West in these Minsk negotiations and subsequently in the Istanbul negotiations of May of last year, uh, in either case, this whole thing would have been solved well before this war ever broke out or right after it began to break out. Uh, as it stands now, billions and billions and billions of dollars later, uh, hundreds of thousands of lives later, uh, and with the ongoing threat of somebody making a mistake that produces, in the end, a global conflict uh, involving the United States and NATO on the one hand, uh, the Russians on the other, with the entrance of China and Iran potentially on the Russian side, uh, no, no person who is sane, one would presume, uh, would, would possibly endorse policies like these, at the very least continue to push them with uh, how badly this has gone since uh, February of, uh, of uh, 2022. Incredible. You know, Mark, a question for you. Um, this battle royale that's going on, when we talk about Biden, what we really are talking about is the people behind Biden. Because I can imagine yes. Biden gets up in the morning uh, probably late, maybe it's say 9 a.m., has his uh, cup of Geritol or, I mean, coffee. And uh, he wakes, yeah, well, really, he wakes up and they put his clothes on for him, probably give him a speech and tell him what he's going to say today. I mean, he doesn't have the time to run the world, right? It's not his job, right? The, yes. the people behind, you talk about the Newlands, the, the Soroses, the think tanks behind all this policy that's been created by 2014, where are they going with this? I mean, I want to know what is their plan? I can see it in their words, but then I see it in their actions as two different things, right? 
So which yes. way are they going? And what is the game plan? I mean, it's just attrition and everybody profits here off the military industrial complex selling of nonsense or, or let people die who care. They don't care about that. They don't care about people dying. It's, it's about control of the resources and control of the world. If I came back to you, I asked this of Daniel C. in the other show. I asked Dan, I said, Dan, if you come back 10 years from now, what are we looking at? What happened? We could be looking at the non-existence of the world, literally. And I, I don't think that that is necessarily the case, but it's possible. And I think everyone from Paul Craig Roberts uh, to uh, <clears throat> certainly to Philip Giraldi, uh, the guys that I read at Southfront, uh, Pepe Escobar, uh, Vanessa Bealey, all of these different people, the guys at the Duran, uh, uh, there, there is a, a consensus among these people that uh, we are playing with fire here in terms of a conflict that could easily get out of control in a global sense and where nuclear weaponry would be used. Uh, and this, I think, is in 10, we might discover that we're not even here in 10 years with people like this running things. But let me bring this down to its most basic level, especially as uh, this uh, Zelensky uh, counteroffensive continues to go nowhere as these horrific uh, casualties uh, continue to mount, uh, as the United States continues to insist uh, that it wants, uh, uh, you know, uh, Zelensky to negotiate with the Russians. Uh, that's the line of Anthony Blinken. Uh, at the same time that the United States continues pouring more money and armaments in there, there's much the mixed message being sent but in terms of the dangers that we're dealing with, uh, to me, the most ominous thing that I have read in the last week or 10 days was a report that came out of the U.S. Army War College uh, and the U.S. Army War College uh, uh, medical people played a role in the preparation of this report. And basically what was said was uh, is this, uh, if the United States were to become involved in a conflict with the Russians like the one in Ukraine, the United States would suffer a minimum of 3,600 estimated casualties a day. Now, out of that, uh, it is U.S. Army uh, doctrine, apparently, and that was pointed out in this uh, War College report, to have at least a 25% uh, replacement of those casualties every day which would mean that uh, you lose 3,600 people, uh, the next day you've got to add at least 800 to the mix. And this then starts getting into the whole question of, of uh, re actual reserve numbers. Uh, according to this report in 1973, uh, the United States at the conclusion of the Vietnam War had 700,000 military reserves available. In 1994, uh, during the first Clinton administration, that figure shrunk to 400,000 reserves. And uh, according to this latest U.S. Army uh, War College report, these are their figures, not mine, the United States can draw on no more than 76,000 reserves in the event that a wider war breaks out. Uh, and the long and the short of it is that the so-called uh, 50,000 lives, perhaps, uh, that the United States lost over many years in both Iraq and Afghanistan. If this report is correct, the United States would be losing that many men and women uh, in the first two weeks 
uh, of a conflict with Russia uh, in Ukraine or in a Ukrainian-like environment. So when you start looking at all of that, this isn't simply a question of a 30 now, a uh, $33 trillion uh, uh, national debt. We have a budget deficit, I understand, approaching $2 trillion this year. We've already cited the, uh, the, the basic facts of what is really going on in this Russian-Ukrainian conflict on the ground. And you start looking, of course, at all of our domestic problems, uh, political polarization, crime in the streets, uh, unrestrained illegal immigration coming into this country, including uh, Biden's latest move to legalize all kinds of folks who have, uh, at the stroke of a presidential pen, uh, who just uh, walked in here from Venezuela, for example. Uh, I saw some uh, video on an international site the other day uh, that showed a train uh, that was hauling uh, thousands of Mexican people uh, to the American border. And now we have everyone from the mayor of Eagle Pass, Texas, to the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, a Democrat, screaming for help. They're overwhelmed by these numbers. Uh, Eric Adams says that the city of New York as it stands right now, uh, has uh, already uh, spent, uh, either has already spent or would need one of the two, $12 billion in order to try and provide for the most basic needs of people who have no legal standing to be here. Biden, of course, has continued uh, ignoring all of this. This has been another one of Kennedy's issues. And, you know, on the issue of Robert F. Kennedy, I just thought I'd throw this in because it makes you wonder what precisely is going on here. Nothing would surprise me. Some days ago, the Democratic National Committee, their so-called Rules Committee met. That Rules Committee, of course, uh, and, and uh, RFK Jr. has subsequently said this, has basically rigged the 2024 Democratic primaries uh, in effect to uh, hurt Kennedy's insurgency candidacy in particular. Who knows who else might get into this thing, who would be the anointed deep state establishment candidate in the Democratic Party. We've we've alluded to that. We don't know yet who that might be. There have been names ranging from Hillary Clinton to, uh, to uh, Mrs. Obama, Michelle Obama in this. So, I mean, who knows? But uh, in terms of this whole issue uh, of uh, the Democratic National Committee, uh, they have rigged this thing to such an extent that they're playing around with the order of primaries. Uh, they know that Joe Biden would be likely to lose in New Hampshire. Uh, so they have uh, taken New Hampshire and I believe the Iowa caucus uh, off the uh, front stage burner that where those events have always been. And they're trying to move up uh, South Carolina to being first where they figure Biden would win in South Carolina. They are any candidates, Democratic candidates, and I think this is all aimed at Kennedy, who go ahead and campaign in Iowa, New Hampshire on schedule and, and uh, really engage in an active campaign there, uh, <clears throat> would see that the totals of delegates won from those states would be reduced. Uh, he would be disqualified from running uh, in the Democratic primary in Georgia. Uh, and, and then, of course, you add to that the whole issue of the so-called superdelegates. There's a very fancy name for these superdelegates, but that's what they are. Uh, we're handpicked party pros 
who will go along with anything that, that the DNC and the Democratic deep state elite want uh, are prepared to ensure uh, that between the uh, manipulating of primary, the order of primaries, uh, disqualifying legitimate delegates won by anyone other than Biden, uh, and then, of course, uh, dealing with uh, uh, this, this whole issue of superdelegates, uh, Kennedy, I think, is, is perhaps concluding uh, that the deck is so stacked that even though his contributors are uh, helping him to the extent that they can, they clearly want to uh, wear him down. Well, the day after the Democratic National Committee's rules meeting, there was an episode in Los Angeles, uh, two miles west of, of where Mr. Kennedy's father was murdered at the Ambassador Hotel 55 years ago this past early June, uh, an incident where a man posing as a Kennedy, uh, a member of Kennedy's security, who was not and who had a loaded gun uh, and was trying to uh, get past these uh, Kennedy security people to encounter Robert F. Kennedy. Uh, that has since kind of disappeared from news coverage, but I think uh, that clearly this posed an obvious threat to Mr. Kennedy's life. This begs the question not only as to why uh, the uh, Biden people including the head of Homeland Security and the Secret Service have not worked overtime to get Mr. Kennedy the Secret Service protection that he needs and that he deserves, but uh, came out today that uh, Mr. Kennedy's uh, director of security was mentioning that the campaign is having to spend approximately 30% of the money that they raise uh, just to provide for Kennedy's private security detail. Uh, there's yet another angle on this uh, in terms of this uh, uh, potentially this unseen warfare where we no longer know who's capable of what. And uh, so are we so looking this, at a this Sirhan, is, Sirhan Jr. type of thing? Uh, are they going to be uh, sending over a guy like that? Well, you you know you have to wonder, and of course, uh, I think Laurent Guyaneau has the correct slant on the whole business of uh, who was really behind uh, the uh, the murder of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And of course, both Laurent Guyaneau and Michael Collins Piper are firmly convinced uh, that it was Israel who was behind the assassination of the 35th president of the United States. That's curious because Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., thus far has. Uh, has, uh, has rather embraced the Zionist cause through his uh, appearances with his rabbi uh, Shemuli Botich. And yet, uh, you know, Kennedy must wonder at this point exactly what's going on uh, when between the uh, DNC rules manipulation uh, and this, uh, what I consider to be a prima facie threat on his life in Los Angeles a few days ago, uh, and now this whole issue of... Uh, where he's watching an establishment that is that has installed Biden, that has used Biden up to this point, that wants to continue these nefarious policies, potentially minus Biden and minus Zelensky. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Kennedy figures this out in terms of whether or not he continues uh, to contemplate running as a Democrat or whether he should run as a third party candidate. Uh, and and whether whatever he does is is beyond my pay grade. But uh, if if uh, I'm right that the uh, situation involving uh, uh, both the Washington Post and National Review uh, suggests that the 
the establishment knows that they've got to somehow uh, keep Biden from running for a second term, uh, and they've got to anoint somebody else. It won't be Kennedy, obviously. Then we'll uh, we'll just see uh, see how this plays. But we're living in a danger dangerous age. Well, I, I can I can imagine this scenario. There's going to be an. I'm going to put this out there as a pros, prognostication. I say we're not going to get Biden versus Trump. We're going to get Newsom versus somebody else. Maybe Vivek Rashami or maybe Haley. What's her name? What's that the lady's name? Nikki Haley. Haley. Nikki Haley. She she would be a good establishment uh, uh, candidate for them for good the good Zionist shill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, I think that's what we're going to get, and and so I think the winner will be the neocons, and because it doesn't matter who's elected, it just doesn't matter. They're both in the same camp. That is that is my sad conclusion from this. And to illustrate this, I don't know, Johnny, if you're familiar with human events. Uh, Human Events was for many years a print newspaper, the so-called National Conservative Weekly since 1944. I started reading it my fateful freshman year of college, 1973-74, which coincided with Ronald Reagan's speech at the very first conservative political action conference. Uh, Human Events uh, was always uh, in something of of a division between the Felix Morley wing of human events, which was basically a non-interventionist, uh, isolationist, if I use that term advisedly, somewhat libertarian end of things, to the Frank Hannigan end of the human events uh, spectrum, uh, which involved a, a real aggressive commitment to the post-World War II uh, uh, interventionism and expansionism, massive American military buildups and so forth. And, and in this regard, uh, human events, it's interesting to watch them operate because uh, uh, Jack Prasobiec there, who's kind of their uh, current uh, executive editor, I don't know, Jack, I hope I pronounced his name correctly, he has managed to get himself on uh, this Ukrainian kill list, this uh, Myrorovets organization, uh, which has uh, threatened to kill all kinds of uh, Russian and American uh, journalists and political figures uh, who don't tow the Zelensky line on Ukraine. The executive editor of Human Events is now on that list. And yet at the same time, uh, Human Events uh, seems quite uh, well disposed towards supporting my, uh, Magic Mike Pompeo and Nikki Haley and people like this, who are clearly a part of the Zionist, globalist, militarist wing of the uh, of the GOP, and the other day, Human Events came out with this thing. This is the state to which so-called conservative journalism has fallen. They had a uh, thing that they issued on Mike Pompeo the other day, talking about his Christian faith, and talking a big picture of Mike saying that uh, Christ is first in my life and all of this sort of thing. Well, at the same time, I went ahead and sent them a picture of Magic Mike's still operative uh, picture uh, and pitch at the American consulate in Kiev for LGBTQ rights uh, in, in Ukraine. Uh, and and this, this is how confused the conservative, so-called conservative end of the spectrum is. And it makes the conservative liberal, uh, as the establishment uses those terms, entirely meaningless because the real issue is nationalism and populism against globalism. 
uh, in Zionism. Uh, and when you look at this, uh, the, the major political parties in any of these proposed people that are running uh, fall far short of the mark as being serious challengers uh, to, the, to the war party and the continuation of these, of these uh, neo-interventionist policies abroad, uh, regime change uh, operations and assassinations, uh, regional wars that threaten to become global. I would have given RFK a free a little bit of a, a free ride on this one, except his statements on Middle Eastern policy have been so grossly wrong that, frankly, if he were elected, I could not uh, assure people who call me up at the Republic Broadcasting Network in, as populist, uh, nationalist populist types and say, hey, do you think we should vote for Kennedy? And I say to them, uh, my advice is this. You want to register as a Democrat and vote for Kennedy in a primary. If he's uh, if he's running as a Democrat, just to hurt Biden, fine. In a general election, I tell them, I don't know what to tell you. Because I look at all of these people, and I think uh, in terms of fiat money, fractional reserve banking, uh, endless wars to support Israel and bums like Zelensky, uh, that it's going to be more of the same. I wish I could be more positive, but I can't. Right now, that's kind of where we're at. Okay, before I let you go today, Mark, uh, let's just assume that we're not going to get Biden versus Trump. We're going to get uh, Newsom versus Haley. What yes. is the prognostication on how they're going to do it? I'm going to tell you my opinion real quick. I think it'll come out. Uh, Biden's going to do the Lyndon uh, Johnson speech uh, that he's yes. not going to run, and he's going to blame it on health reasons, okay, and yes. that, which may be true, may not be true, but he's going to say it anyway, and then he'll be out. And I think Trump's going to get either removed from the ballots on all 50 states uh, or if he doesn't cooperate on that one, he might get that. What, what was that guy, that Russian guy that got, uh, got the needle in the uh, leg? And he kind of- <laughs> yeah, was that- I don't mean to laugh at that, but yeah, uh, all of a sudden I can't remember the guys, the guy who uh, allegedly died of uh, polonium. Yes. 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 So he, the guy you know, in Trump London, might yeah. get something like that, you know. He might get something, uh, you know, gets stuck with an umbrella or something on the side as he's walking down the golf course or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anything is possible in this, and I think it's hard not to laugh at this stuff. It's so bad, but yeah. the fact of the matter is, the criminal, the criminal element involved in all ends of the spectrum in this. Ashola, uh, baby, power. It's it, it power and money global power and money. It's all right there. And uh, you see what happens to people like Charles Lindbergh, who spoke the truth. And to the extent that John F. Kennedy uh, was speaking some truth about the Zionist lobby. They they put him in and they took him out. That's all to it. That's all there is to it. And uh, to me, as I watch this whole thing, uh, and I go back to the U.S. Army uh, War College report, we get involved in something with the Russians just for openers, openers, 3,600 casualties a day, uh, another 800 or 25% of the casualty total thrown into this thing as reserves that are suddenly up there on the front lines. You're dealing with a loss of American reserve military power that in the last 50 years has gone from 750,000 to to, or I'm sorry, 700,000 to 450,000 to 76,000. Uh, and you start looking at the Russian manufacturing capability, the Chinese manufacturing capability. Russia's got the commodities. We don't. And uh, it, it clearly is a circumstance where uh, the United States, uh, if, there, if you couldn't devise a better way 
of finishing this country off than what the uh, than the cabal has in this circumstance in this Russian Ukrainian war. And uh, I can't say that I shed any tears over the destruction of the American empire. The question is whether or not there will be a country left for people to rebuild a constitutional republic again. On that note, Mark, tell us uh, what's happening for you this week and how readers and listeners around the world can uh, follow what you're doing and and, and check up on you and, and be part of what you're doing. Well, other than my friends at the NSA here in San Antonio, always check up on what I'm doing. Yes. Uh, the the uh, they, they, I tell you, they, if, if I didn't have these guys, I probably would have, you know, 10 viewers globally, right? But, uh, right. you know, looking and looking at this thing, uh, I'm writing, writing an article for VT Foreign Policy, Johnny. I hope to maybe uh, have uh, made some progress on that in the next couple of days. I'll be back on RBN next week live, the Republic Broadcasting Network, Friday, 2 p.m. Central Time, republic.broadcasting.org. Uh, and in the meantime, of course, I don't know if uh, one of these foreign news agencies will will suddenly appear and say, hey, can you talk to us about this or that? So that's basically it to uh, keep things going for VT Foreign Policy. Get back to a live broadcast with RBN next week. A lot of things happening, my friend. On that note, to all the readers, uh, get your VT Cup on VT Radio if you support what we're doing. <laughs> there you go, VT Radio. There, there Mark's got his. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's available on our site under uh, merchandise. Uh, don't forget to support us with buymeacoffee.com. It's all over our website. You can go to any article on the right side. You'll see the little link there. Support us with $8 membership per month. We don't get a lot of advertising dollars, guys. We're not the mainstream media. We are speaking truth to power. We're telling it like it is. And if you like... MSNBC or, or Fox News or I, I think the Murdochs are worth $17 billion. I think I'm worth $0.17. Cents. So uh, we're not quite the same. <laughs> you, you, you know, like as them, we go buy their bullshit. <laughs> As we close, that's right. As we close, you think back to when I was at KGNW Radio in Seattle many years ago as a Christian broadcaster, and the Oral Roberts was so desperate for a certain amount of money to come in by a certain date for Oral Roberts University that he told his listeners that God would call him home by such and such a date if the money didn't come in. And so <laughs> I was almost fired at KGNW in those days for starting Whoa. a count, starting a countdown to the day that Oral either had to make the money or die. But, you know, Johnny and I are not quite that desperate, but let's say no. if, if by Pearl Harbor Day, we don't receive uh, receive some degree of insolvency. Uh, yes. uh, we're not predicting that we the Lord will rapture us by December seventh, but you know maybe uh, maybe the deep state will have arrested us by that time. Yeah. I think the worst will happen with me is my wife will put me on the couch and rake me over the coals. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So at any rate, remember, folks, it doesn't feel like it now, but the Chicago the Chicago Bears are going to win the NFC Championship. They'll beat Kansas City by 10 points in the Super Bowl. That's because Ditka's going to be their coach next week. <laughs> that's right. And that's because Carol Rosenblum has come back from the dead to fix this thing. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Mark, thanks for appearing on BT Radio. Rock on, my friends. If you enjoyed this presentation, hit the like button now. Also, share it with your friends. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. VT approves this message.